Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Erlinson, along with my co-host, Greg Lanelli, welcoming you into another episode, and we are getting very, very close to the start of the 2021 season. We're not going to throw 2020 in there because we don't want to remember too much about 2020, except for that little Stanley Cup championship the team had. That's a little important for sure. But we're just days away from the start of the 21 season. The Lightning will open up on January 13th against the Chicago Blackhawks. And so we have a lot to discuss before we get ready for that game. Um, with that, I want to bring in Greg Linelli from Lightning Power Play. You can hear him right now doing Power Lunch at noon on Lightning Power Play. And of course, right here on the Lightning Insider podcast as well. Greg, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and your family. As you said, I think not remembering what happened in 2020 is in all of our best interests, except for winning that Stanley Cup, which is great. And... I'm excited as you are, and I think the fan base is. We're going to start to see some fans in the stands to uh, see the Lightning play, the Blackhawks, and for hopefully the rest of the year, it'll be a, a sparse crowd. But nonetheless, there will be actual people, not cutouts of, you know, our favorite cartoon characters in the stands. <laughs> Although um, uh, Matt Salmon was funny and mentioned something on, on Twitter about having 19,000 posters of Greg Minnelli in <laughs> and I think you said you would pay for that. Well, I would contribute. I'm not paying for it. I would contribute. Do we contribute? Now, the question just becomes, do I have hair in those pictures, or do I just go bald and beautiful? You go bald and beautiful. That's who you are. I would agree with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, as we said before last week, but I think we're all excited and, you know, we have these scrimmages coming up, which is good. We saw one the other day and yep. have another one on Sunday. And, you know, some interesting battles are are developing as much as you can with a team that has, you know, for the most part, the majority of their key guys coming back. Yeah, they do. I mean, you could start to pencil in your 22, 23, whatever we're going to start hearing with. Uh, you know, I, when they release this, the roster, which – I think they're due Monday to the league, which would be two days before the season starts. Whenever they release that roster, it doesn't necessarily mean that's who's going to start because we know the salary cap implications. So I'm just going to warn people that the roster you see submitted to the start of the season may not necessarily be the, the roster that starts. But in terms of who's going to be on the ice, yeah, I think we can for sure sit back and say that there's not a lot of competition going on. Uh, you know your top line. Uh, with Braden Point, Steven Stamkos slots in for the injured Nikita Kucherov on the right side and Andre Paul on the left. You have Anthony Sorelli with Alex Kalorn and Tyler Johnson. We saw that line a lot in the playoffs. Uh, the Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, Barclay Goodrow line, which started almost every single period in the playoffs. Of course, you're going to put that trio back together, how strong a work they put in. And then the fourth line, you know Pat Maroon's going to be on the left. Uh, you can pretty much pencil Mitchell Stevens in the middle of that. And then the question is going to be who's on the right side, Alex Volkov, Matthew Joseph. That's probably about the only question mark you have forward-wise. And then, D, you've got your uh, most likely Victor Hedman with Jan Ruda. You're going to have most likely Ryan McDonough with Eric Chernak. Uh, and then you're going to have Mikhail Sergeyev. And then who? Luke Shen, maybe. Cal Foote is probably a guy you're going to have to look at. But those are probably the 7-D that start the season and, of course, we know Andre Vasilevsky and Curtis McElhaney. So that's going to give you 22 right there, one short of the maximum of who they carry. Depending on the taxi squad, that's the bigger question in my mind. But um, short camp, 
obviously, uh, only 13 days or 10 days, and not even really 10 days, because the first day was reporting day, Thursday was a day off, Monday will be a day off, that's it, and, and the rest is just, uh, I think I counted out six days of practice uh, that the team has, so not a lot of time, so it's a good thing in some ways that this roster is set, you don't have to worry about too many competitions, you can kind of get right down to business and work on your system, uh, which is what John Cooper said they've already started to do. You, you mentioned the guys I think that is going to be one of the advantages advantages for the Lightning during this condensed schedule. You don't have any guys jockeying for positions, so chemistry shouldn't be that big of an issue. And a lot of times, if you have some turnover and you have players that are coming up from the minor leagues who are, you know, challenging for a spot on your roster, it may take a few preseason games for them to feel pretty comfortable. I, I think one of the underlying themes that probably is not going to get talked enough about to start is the fact that you know, I think a lot of people coming into this year felt like this was going to be the season where Tampa Bay underwent a lot of changes personnel-wise. But lo and behold, outside of an injury to Nikita Kucherov, and you had a couple of role players being dealt in Paquette and Coburn, and of course Shattenkirk and Bogosian moving on, you know, the Lightning didn't have a, a, an overhaul when it came to their roster. Now, maybe that does end up happening next year. And, you know, they were able to maneuver some things around this year with Kucherov being out and, and kind of handle the cap situation the way they did. But, you know, the Lightning basically have their whole team back, their core group. And for a team who's been up against the cap for quite some time, to be able to come back with this team still intact for one more year, I think it's, in many ways, an interesting storyline. And I'm sure a lot of teams around the league are looking at the Lightning and saying, yeah, you know, it's tough to repeat. As I said on my show the other day, I think there are two certainties for this Lightning team. One is they have a really good team coming back. And two, it's really hard to repeat. You know, the the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins are the only team during the salary cap era to repeat. And if you have to go back to the Red Wings before that in the non-salary cap era. But I think a lot of teams are probably looking at the Lightning and saying, man, you know what? It's hard to repeat, but they basically have everybody coming back. You know what? They are. I, I don't know if you say they're the favorites. You probably do because they won it last year. We just know how hard it is to repeat. And that's why maybe the odds are against them a bit. But they have as good a shot to do this thing again as any team out there. They do. And there's a lot of things that benefit them in this scenario. The first part is it's a 56 game season. It's not an 82-season grind. Now, the flip side of that is you can't afford to get off to a slow start, but I think we just kind of talked about that with chemistry that should be there. And just a couple months ago, this team won a Stanley Cup uh, with primarily the same players, so you already have that uh, familiarity. There are no really new names being integrated, and even some of the new names that maybe people might not be as familiar with have been with the organization for a couple of years. Cal Foote has been spent two years in Syracuse, uh, playing basically the lightning system and and understanding what's expected of him. So you have that uh, with you. So there's no, you don't have to integrate anybody really new into your system. Uh, maybe some unfamiliar faces, but nobody knew that you have to uh, get used to everything. Uh, the other thing that I think can benefit from them is the travel. There's not going to be as much um, travel involved because of this block scheduling system where you're playing uh, two and on one occasion, three consecutive games against one opponent in the same city in the same building. Uh, that's going to be a benefit. So you're not going to have the same type of wear and tear. And let's face it, this division, if you're looking at the, the four realigned divisions, this one from top to bottom is not very strong. Of course, you have Tampa Bay. You've got the opponent in the Stanley Cup final, the Dallas Stars. You've got, I think, a very good and, and in some ways underrated Carolina team. After that, I'm not sure how strong it is. We keep waiting for Florida to take that next step, and they brought in a bunch of new faces. Anthony Duclair um, is getting an opportunity on the top line with Jonathan Huberto and and Sasha Barkov uh, down there. Are are they ready to take the step, or is Sergei Bobrovsky going to be bad Sergei Bobrovsky as he was for a good part of last year? Uh, Detroit is nowhere near a caliber of a team that is going to contend. The Blackhawks, no Jonathan Taze. They lose Kirby Dock, who was injured. Uh, in the exhibition game with the World Juniors is out uh, basically for most of the season. Uh, so how strong are they going to be? Uh, you know, you, Nashville's been a good team uh, historically the last number of years, but Pecorine is not the Pecorine he's been. How strong are the Nashville Predators? You have a division that if they don't finish in the top four in this division, that means they've had some issues. 
And then on top of all that, guess what you get back for the playoffs or what should come back for the playoffs? Nikita Kucherov. A fresh Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> to insert that into a team that's going right into the playoffs, there are so many advantages that are going in Tampa Bay's favor for this um, that, I, that I think that, that they have probably as good of a chance as any team, as you mentioned, in the salary cap era to have the opportunity to repeat because I think there's a lot of advantage in this, in this scenario for them. We talked about what are some questions on the previous podcast. You know, we talked about what players need to step up with Kuchmans being out. I actually don't think the team is going to change too much with how they played uh, last year to this year. And, you know, with Kucherov out, maybe there was a tendency to have a little bit more razzle-dazzle because of how explosive he is offensively. But I get the sense, I don't know how you feel, that the Lightning are going to try and play a more structured game, and maybe they're going to have to with their best offensive player out. But I think that probably bodes well for them not going into a lot of lulls this year in a condensed schedule and getting behind the eight ball, so to speak. So I, I think the way they're going to play will allow them to build on what they did last year and continue that good play this year. But I think when we talk about personnel outside of Kucherov not being in the lineup, and of course we talked about players who are going to need to step up, I think for me, and, and maybe it speaks to how deep this team is, there aren't any questions, is what is the back end going to look like? And specifically two players that we have discussed before, Mikhail Sergachev, is he going to be still on a third D pairing and Cal foot, you know, we talk about, is it Luke Shen being paired with Sergachev or do they want to switch things up, get Sergachev, maybe some more ice. I mean, you know, that's something we saw last year was Chernak and Sergachev at times together. Yep. And while McDonough and Hedman are the stalwarts back there defensively, I'm wondering, has Sergachev taken another step in his progression? Is it time to give him more of a, of an advanced role with this team? And, is it time to see what Cal Foote can do as one of your top six defensemen and keep Luke Shen on, uh, not the bench, but as your seventh defenseman, where I think he is probably more valuable to this team than starting? Yeah, um, on Sergachev, okay, we saw in the playoffs, and the numbers get a little bit skewed because they basically played two and a half games in their first game against Columbus. So the average ice time jumps up maybe a little bit, but he still averaged 20 minutes a night. Uh, in the playoffs, he also, I think he was right on the cusp of 20 minutes during the regular season. Now, some of that was because Ryan McDonough was injured there in February, uh, didn't come back until right before uh, we hit the pause and, and the world went to hell. Um, but he was, his minutes were up. Uh, I think he, I think you're going to see him maybe get some, some of those minutes back because of how strong he is. The question is going to be in what role. Um, he can play the right side. I don't think they want to put him on the right side. I had an interesting conversation um, with Brian Engblom the other day, and he doesn't wonder, and I'm not I'm not taking credit for this. This is his thought, uh, but I'm going to pass it along. Because we saw Sergachev and Chernak together for good portions of the playoffs at times, Ryan McDonough feels like the right guy to pair alongside Cal Foot. That's your lefty. That's your righty. There's no doubt in my mind that Cal Foote starts the season with this team and not on the taxi squad. He's going to be part of the active roster. I think they're going to give him every opportunity to assert himself and see where he's at. Two years in the minors, he hasn't had an opportunity to play an NHL game yet. He's not earned a call-up yet because um, they carried eight defensemen and then nine by the time he got the postseason with Zach Bogosian uh, after that pickup. So, uh, I, he's going to have every opportunity. He, it's the point in his development where – you have to see where he's at because uh, the AHL, we, we at least now we know the AHL is going to play. They're going to play a, a, their own truncated season. I think 36 games, I think uh, uh, Howard Dolgan, the, the owner of the Syracuse Crunch, talked about today. Um, so they'll play, and he doesn't have to go on waivers. So if he's not going to play with you, you don't have to put him on the taxi squad. You can send him to Syracuse and play some games. But they're going to have every opportunity, especially in the early part of the season, to let Cal Foot play. Um you know, you open the season with the Blackhawks. Uh, it's an opportunity to kind of get him in there right away. Uh, right-handed shot, big, heavy shot. He likes to shoot the puck where McDonough can be somebody that can be a steady, reliable partner with him. I, I know Chernak and McDonough have been very good together. They're basically the top PK pair that goes over the boards when it's time to kill a penalty. Uh, but I like Brian's thought process there that the veteran McDonough 
next to a Cal foot as opposed to uh, a fourth-year defenseman of Mikhail Sergachev, who can be a little bit of a freelancer in some ways, and I don't mean that in a bad way, uh, but you have to have a partner who understands sometimes. It's like playing with Victor Hedman. You have to understand how your partner plays. Uh, if Cal Foot is that guy for Ryan McDonough, uh, I think that's going to do nothing but help more development for Cal Foot. Do you feel like – because eventually if you play with McDonough, I don't know if that can change. I mean, you can play Foot with McDonough at times, and then certainly we've seen John Cooper rotate defense. But I know he leads the stick to certain pairings. I guess, too, it's, it's how strongly do you feel about Jan Rutsa because then you have some flexibility of having a guy like Chernak go up there with him. It sounds like they're going to have maybe three young defensemen that are going to need to play. And I'm just curious at this point in a win-now mode, because they still are, is foot the guy that gets the least amount of playing time and you want to maybe ease him in? Because if he plays with Donna, I'm assuming he's going to get, I don't want to say huge minutes, but certainly more than if he's, you know, playing on a third pair with, you know, Luke Shen. Well, you know, we've seen, uh, especially with Victor Hedman, how many times has Victor Hedman played with all three defensemen at some point, all three right-handed shot defensemen at some point during a game, right? So there are ways that you can manipulate that as a coach, uh, especially with home games where you get to pick your matchups and choose. Uh, so, I, look, I, I, if you pair Cal Foot with Ryan McDonough, it does not necessarily mean that Cal Foot's going to be at 18, 22 minutes a game. Uh, it's not going to happen. We we saw how they handled Mikhail Sergachev his rookie year, and you 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 test him. That's what that. And if 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 you follow the history of this coaching staff, you test him. Okay, let's put him in this situation, see how he does. Okay, he did it well. Okay, let's give him a little bit more. Okay, he, he handled that. Let's give him a little bit more from there. And that's kind of how this coaching staff deals with things. And if if there's a, a something that it doesn't look like the player is comfortable with. They'll pull it back a little bit, and that and that's all part of the development process uh, to get them to a point where they're comfortable being on the ice, uh, and the coaches are comfortable putting them out on the ice in certain situations. Uh, so you can manipulate and move things around. Um, I think that that's probably the more likely scenario with, with how you're going to handle it. So pairings are not like set in stone. Pairings can move around just as line combinations can move around. Pairings can move around. You know, you can move up uh, a Chernak to play some shifts with Victor Hedman if you need to. Uh, you can send Chernak out with Ryan McDonough in certain situations, especially, you know, in late game situations, trying to protect the lead or something like that. There are ways to move around uh, the thought process of getting a guy like Cal Foot on the ice a lot. Uh, but he's going to play. Uh, he's not going to sit here and, and, and sit in the press box and eat popcorn, although I'm not even sure that's going to be allowed this year. Uh, in the press box for anybody, um, you know, so he's going to play and, and I expect him to play. I think Luke Shen is going to start as a seventh defenseman. And I think he's absolutely fine with that. Uh, and it's an opportunity to, to where, you know, you let Cal foot play a few games and then you put Shen in and, and give him some time because you don't want him sitting around uh, for too long. So there, there are ways to move around it uh, to make it all work. But um, this is where the trade, the trade of Coburn and Paquette to acquire two players and Marion Gabryk and Anders Nilsson, who are not going to play this year, comes into play. I think, not now, closer to the end of the, the trade deadline, which I think comes in early April, I would not be surprised to see Julian Brisebois utilize some of that additional cap space that he was able to acquire and shore up this defense. Because I think we talked about it on the last podcast. I look at this defense right now. I'm not comfortable with this being my playoff defense. And I'm not sure Julian Breezeball is, and I'm not sure John Cooper is. Um, I would think that whatever salary cap space that they can salvage and save and accumulate the closer you get to the trade deadline, I think they're going to go out and address the defense and find a way to bring in a right-handed shot defense to be a trade. Where they ended the season last year with the Stanley Cup, in, in my opinion, and I, I don't think you disagreed with it, I probably felt that it certainly – was comparable to any defensive core in Lightning history. I said it was the best. And in large part, it's because what Shattenkirk and Bogosian brought to an already pretty established back end in Victor Hedman and, and Ryan McDonough, and then you had Chernak and Sergachev, and then you had guys like Creighton Coburn who couldn't get in the lineup, yep. who was coming off a, a year the previous year where he played really, really well. And then, you know, you throw in a guy like Jan Rutz, who was, I don't want to say a reclamation project, but I'm not sure anybody anticipated the type of production you were going to get from him. I agree with you. I'll, I'll say two things about this. One, 
one thing that can make up a little bit for lack of depth, and again, you have to assume the guys stay healthy, and that's always dicey, is that the young players that you have currently on this roster continue to be ascending players. Now, I talked about this before when guys like Braden Point and Anthony Sorelli were younger guys and you know, really first coming into the league, a little bit of an unknown. But if they continue to project and grow as players, that's a big deal because that can overcome maybe some deficiencies you have, let's say, on your fourth line. If Surichev and Chernak, and let's throw Cal Footy into this equation, if those three players continue to improve, and especially Sergeyev and Chernak, who I'm not sure we've seen the best of them just yet, we're getting there, then I think it can make maybe a not-so-deep back end still very talented, and that can overcome maybe the lack of depth. The other thing, too, I think when you take a look at Julian Breesland, I think you hit the nail on the head. <sighs> They have some assets they can still dangle to address some deficiencies back there depth-wise. And it doesn't have to be a big move, as we've seen before. It can be a, a depth piece. Most likely, it probably will, assuming guys like Cal Foot or, you know, let's say an Eric Chernak maybe starts to take a step back in his development. I, I guess what I'm saying is you have some flexibility there to go big with you know acquiring a, a talent at the trade deadline, or you can go a little smaller and maybe add another depth piece. I think also, too, and maybe this ties in a bit to this depth issue, because I agree with you. I think if you're looking at, at this team and you're looking at the depth on the back end, it's not as great as the Stanley Cup team, for sure. But I'm wondering also, too, how are you looking at this taxi squad? situation and you know is a guy like for instance a ben thomas going to get a closer look knowing that he's been in the organization for a while does he see any time do you think at all and if not how do you look at the the taxi situation for the lightning who how do you think they're deciding who stays on that squad is it more about performance is it more salary related I, to me, I think that's an interesting situation. Well, the salary cap comes into play because it will count against the cap um, in some ways. Like, uh, it, you know, you, like you can't stash a player. Like, there was a lot of talk about Tyler Johnson. Uh, could you just send him to the minors and, you know, could you put him on the taxi squad in this case to save money? You know, you only save about a million. So you, you, could, you could do that if you wanted to. But, you know, Julian Breezeball was asked about that somewhat recently about his philosophy and he said it's not a development taxi squad it's a competitive taxi squad any players that are going to be on that taxi squad are going to be here because we think they can help the team um you do have flexibility you can move players up and down it if you want um as we mentioned the ahl is not starting until february 5th i think i believe i saw that they would uh, bring players in and their camp would start on the 26th so you get basically two weeks between the start of the NHL season and when AHL camps would open, now you've got some quarantine issues that have to be dealt with to get players to those markets. Um, so I, that factors into it. I look at a guy like Jamel Smith. He's the guy I think that can help them. So you want to talk about it from a competitive standpoint. Uh, he can play a fourth line if Mitchell Stevens uh, doesn't look like he can handle the role. And I'm not saying that, but if, if that's how it works out. Uh, you have a Jamel Smith there, a guy who has NHL experience, a guy who played well for them in Syracuse last year. He was part of the summer camp. Uh, I liked his game when he was up here. Uh, he's got some speed. Uh, he's got some tenacity. He can get on the forecheck. Uh, he's a guy who can kill you some penalties. You know, he's a guy who I would expect to at least start the year on that taxi squad because he is on a two-way deal. Uh, that does mean he does have to go through waivers. Uh, but I'm interested to see how the waiver wire works this year because there's quarantine issues. And anybody gets walked off of waivers uh, before you can bring them onto your team. We can't, they can't do the Adam Hall. You can't claim Adam Hall on the Tampa Bay Lightning if you're the Carolina Hurricanes and then put him in the lineup against Tampa Bay the next day. Not happening this year. Um, we do know that one goaltender is required to be on that taxi squad. Uh, how do they handle that? Because they brought in uh, Christopher Gibson, who was previously with the Islanders organization. You have Spencer Martin, who spent all of last year 
with Syracuse. One of those two guys has to be on the taxi squad all year. How do they handle that? Uh, I think this dual affiliation that they're doing this year, they're actually going to take some players from the Florida Panthers because their farm team, the Charlotte Checkers, opted out of the AHL season. Uh, so, you know, now that kind of alleviates, because I was wondering how they were going to handle the goaltending situation. You only have four goalies under contract. Uh, one of them has to stay on the taxi squad. So how are they going to handle that? That alleviates that situation. Um, so I, that's how I look at it. I, I look to them to use that for more of the longs of, of the guys like uh, Jim L. Smith, like an Andreas Borgman, who they brought in as a free agent, who's got some NHL experience having played with the, the Maple Leafs a couple of years ago. I would expect that those type of players would be the ones that they use um, certainly throughout the season. Does that mean you could keep Ben Thomas around for a little bit? Yeah, I, I think that that would benefit a Ben Thomas. He hasn't seen a call up. Um, he is a right-handed shot. We know how thin they are on right-handed shot defensemen. Uh, you could keep him around and, and at least give him an opportunity to practice with the, with the NHL team and, and work with the NHL team. Um, and, you know, another guy we haven't talked a lot about uh, really is Luke Witkowski. Luke Witkowski started the season with his team last year, albeit as a forward, but he is a defense defenseman. He has been in camp as a defenseman. He's been taking, um, you know, every, every one of his reps has been on defense. Now, is that only because Eric Chernak and Jan Ruda are still going through quarantine and haven't or, uh, been able to get on the ice yet? We don't know. But that's a guy we haven't talked about either who has experience with this team, who has experience at the NHL level. Uh, he's somebody that you could you could stick on a taxi squad too. So I look for the more veteran type of players to remain on the taxi squad more so as the younger players. Uh, he had something I thought play with the Lightning when he came back his second go around. He had talked about you know getting a little leaner, and I, I thought his skating did improve. And one thing he brings you to that team, you know whether you believe in it or not, is an element of toughness, and that he will stick up for his teammates. He is certainly somebody who will drop the gloves and. Uh, the skating has gotten a lot better. So certainly somebody who could be versatile, play the forward position and in a pinch can play on the back end. I know John Cooper, I think, appreciates what he brings to the table, and there is a lot of familiarity with what he can do. And so a guy like that is is really the perfect depth piece that you need in a condensed season like this. You mentioned goaltending, and maybe we go there next. I had this question pop up. I know you have taken this on Twitter. I did it on my show the other day about – what the Lightning are going to do. What is the plan with Vasilevsky and McElhaney? And we know Vasi is a workhorse. We know the Lightning also like to monitor the amount of games he's playing. I'm wondering in this type of environment, D, especially if, you know, let's say the season doesn't go the way Tampa Bay plans and they, you know, find themselves really fighting for a playoff spot, are we going to see Vasi take on more percentage the more of the percentages of the games being played than they would like, even though McElhaney at times last year I thought played very well. And you had an over-under, right, that you were discussing with some guys at the rink the other day that might make some sense. Yeah, and speaking of over-under, it's probably time to take care of our sponsor here on the show too, right? Uh, Manscaped.com. Uh, Love it. If you go to Manscaped.com, you use the keyword bolts, you'll get 20% off of your order. Uh, and I was thinking about this the other day. Um you know, sometimes that, uh, Greg, you walk out into the yard and uh, the grass looks a little too long. This needs to be trimmed, right? It's it's that's why they call the main product on Manscaped the lawnmower because sometimes the lawn just needs to be mowed. I'm glad you're talking about beards. And I, I, <laughs> absolutely, that's exactly where I was going. And sometimes I've, I've told you before, I I like to shave my head and I I like to. You know, just make it smooth. And, um, you know, Manscaped, they are, they are, I, I've tried a lot of different products since I've, I've gone this looking, because, you know, I used to have fantastic hair. I've told you that before. And it, <laughs> I've it, seen it. It does exist, people. It does. There are pictures. I will show you my college picture that I, I failed to unveil last year, mainly because, uh, you know, I didn't care. <laughs> uh, at some point I will. Um, but, Everything you could possibly want from a grooming standpoint for a guy, uh, Manson has that. And I appreciate what they have. I use it regularly, and I've gotten my uh, brother to use it as well. But you mentioned the lawnmower. Um, it gets it done. And Manscaped has come up with some pretty cool toys for me to use when it comes to my, my trimming. And um, it's something that if, if you haven't already – 
use that promo code, use that discount, and uh, get a bunch of cool stuff. And that's why you're bald and beautiful. You're damn right. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. Uh, all right, the goaltending situation. Yeah, look, it's it's a different season. Obviously, we know that 56 games. Um, we, we mentioned the travel. That's the one thing that a lot of coaches will look at with the wear and tear of their goaltenders is the travel that's involved. Because if you're on a road trip, you know, you could be on a, a four-game road trip and you're probably playing in, in six, maybe seven nights and you're getting on a plane every other day and yeah, it takes a toll on you. And, you know, I'm not saying that, I mean, these athletes are taken very well care of, don't get me wrong, but you're still a human being and, and it wears you down and, you know, you think of the equipment that the goaltenders put on. So coaches look at that a lot. How does a goalie look? How does he feel? Is he getting fatigued? Do we need to give him rest? And the magic number we know in an 82 game season is 60. I think Jonathan quick is the only goaltender in the last decade who has started more than 60 games during the regular season and won a Stanley cup. So I think a lot of coaches now look at that number and say, okay, we don't want to go over this number. We want to make sure that our goaltender is ready for the postseason. Well, in the regular, in this 56 game season, if you take 60 out of 82, that's roughly about 73% of the schedule. So if you equate that, and always check my math, Greg, you know this. If you do that same percentage in a 56-game schedule, that's 40 games. So that's 40 for Vasilevsky would end up being 16 for McElhaney. But was having this conversation with Bobby the Chief Taylor and Brian Engblom the other day at one of the practices uh, that are taking place. I set the over-under on Vasilevsky at 38 games. We don't know. COVID is the X factor here. If something happens and a guy has to miss some time, that's a different situation. But if everything goes as well as we hope, knocking on wood, um, I I think that's the over-under number for Vasilevsky is 38 because this is a condensed schedule too. Yes, the travel is a lot less, but it's condensed. The entire 56-game schedule will be complete by the first weekend of May and the only time the Lightning have more than two days off between games is not till the end of April. So there, it's this is going to be a sprint for them for sure, so right up to the finish line. You know, I, I had to take the over on that. It's really hard. The Lightning, they want to win every game, and strategically, they're going to sit back if it comes at the expense of them. Yep. Maybe losing a few games. I just, I, as much as fans will look at this. And, they listen to rest your players towards the end of the year, get ready for the playoffs. It's just not in it's not in the players' DNA to do it, and we don't see enough coaches. Look, you may see, you know, at the end of the year, if if the game doesn't mean anything and there is not any milestones at stake, you know, maybe a Kucherov or a Stamkos or a Braden Point or a Victor Hedman, uh, pick pick one or two of those guys, and maybe they sit. Maybe that is the right call. But I'm wondering. He, does the amount of games Vassy plays, particularly towards the end, have any bearing on where they are in the standings? In other words, if they're yeah. out of the playoff picture, there's no doubt you're riding your goaltender, your number one guy. I think that's that's a given. But do you think seeding means anything right now if you were to sit John Cooper in a room and talk to him about the importance of finishing first compared to fourth with this particular team coming back? And do you think that has any bearing on the amount of games their starting goaltender would possibly play towards the end of the year? In an 82-game season, I don't think seed matters. I think John Cooper would tell you the seed doesn't matter. They, they tried that a few years ago when they, when they raced in, at the end of the 14th season to finish ahead of Montreal and get home ice advantage. They am getting swept in the first round, so they figured that out pretty quick. In this season, I think it matters even less. Because you're guaranteed to play one of seven teams in the first round. And it's one of the seven teams you're going to see throughout this season. So I don't think seeding matters. Uh, And we don't know where we're going to be with with COVID and fans in the stands come May. If there's no fans in the stands, there's no home ice advantage. It doesn't matter. Uh, That'll be something that's plotted out. So I don't, especially in this season, I don't think seeding matters at all because it's, 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 
the first two rounds are going to be the fir- the four teams that are in your division, and you're going to be very familiar with them by the time you get to them. Uh, there'll be some hate built up, um, but you're going to have a, a game plan against every one of them. It's not like two years ago when the Lightning were the runaway winner of the Eastern Conference, and it wasn't until two or three days before the end of the regular season they figured out that Columbus was going to be their first-round opponent. You know, you know in this situation you're going to have a pretty good idea it's going to be one of two teams no matter what seed you finish in first and fourth. So I don't think seeding matters. Uh, I think what we've seen with goaltending, and I've talked to some coaches about this throughout the years, a lot of them will map out about the first month, month and a half of the season. Okay, this is where we want our starter to go. This is where we want to get our backup in and kind of move, move it around, maneuver it around that. But then once they get past that, it, it, it's a feel. It's a where they're at in the schedule. Uh, if this team is comfortably or even mildly comfortably in a playoff position as we get to the end of March, you know, I, I don't I think that they'll take the opportunity to give Andre Vasilevsky some time off. Because remember, we are talking about an Andre Vasilevsky who played every single solitary minute of the postseason. And that included, what, seven overtime games, including one that went five overtimes, a couple that went double overtime. Um, he can handle that workload in the playoffs. But in order for him to be able to handle that, you kind of have to tail it off um, in the regular season. That, uh, I, in some ways, I agree with you going the over on 38. But then I sit back and I think about if you want him to be able to play every minute of the playoffs, maybe maybe you go a game under that. Yep. Taking on a bigger role. I, I think he has served himself very well. And again, it kind of goes back to a team you and I've discussed over the years that Lightning for the last five, six, or seven years, you can make a very strong case, have had the best goaltending tandem in the National Hockey League. Just take a look at some of the goaltenders, not only who have started Bishop and, and Vasilevsky, but guys who have backed them up. They have been very, very good. And McElhaney, certainly, I would feel comfortable taking on. A bigger role. So I, I, I tend to agree with you. I also think the amount of games they're going to be playing in the division sets up for some very, very intense hockey, maybe right away. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how that will play out, but you know, if you're playing a team back-to-back nights, you're playing them eight times a year, and then you have to maybe play them at an intense playoff round, I mean, this could get ugly really fast. And yeah, I got to be honest with you, as a as a fan and as a broadcaster, I love the shortened schedule because I think every game in the regular season matters. That typically mm-hmm. doesn't happen in an 82 game schedule. And the fact there's going to be absolute hatred at some point with a lot of these teams. If you're a fan and you love a lot of checking and some violence, I think you're going to get all of it. For sure, there's no there's no doubt. Especially the Canadian division, right, where those teams are playing each other nine or ten times, depending on who's who there. Um, you know, you look for rivalries, you're going to build them in, the, in this one. I mean, look, you're, you're going to get a Stanley Cup playoff rematch, which normally we wouldn't ever see until probably later into the season or, you know, only once or twice. You're going to see it eight times this year. Um, you know, Dallas is going to be mad that Tampa Bay took something away from them, uh, you know, back in September. And, you know, the emotions that we saw come out of the stars, especially Jamie Benn after that series – yeah, they're going to look at Tampa Bay and, and they're going to want to show and prove something to them uh, from the playoffs. Um, yeah, it, it's going to build up and I think it's going to build up uh, pretty strong pretty quickly because, you know, you, you play the same team twice in a row. Um, it's not quite like playoffs, but it's it's somewhat similar uh, to where you're going to see them so often. I mean, you got that one stretch with Chicago uh, late in the year where they're going to play three straight games against the Blackhawks. Uh, at United Center, there's uh, I think it's a, a Thursday night game, a Friday night game, and a Sunday afternoon game. Um, that's that's seeing the same team three times in basically 72 hours. Uh, yeah, it, it it's going to build up, and uh, I think that that's going to be something that the players are going to get behind. I think it's something the fans are going to get behind. Um, and uh, I guess from a broadcasting standpoint, it makes it easier for uh, certainly the uh, the play-by-play guys, right? Because there's only seven teams they have to worry about. There's only seven teams they have to memorize. Uh, so that's good for Dave Michigan. And, oh, by the way, the new play-by-play voice replacing Rick Peckham, Dave Ramsey. There's no doubt about it. That is a pretty, and, you know, by all indications, they hit a home run with this big foot. To be able to come in 
and call games on a team who just won the Stanley Cup the year before. I mean, the fan base, the eyeballs are going to be everywhere, assuming you can get the games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a touchy Um, subject. Assuming you can get the games, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on this team. And uh, what a great opportunity when you start talking about calling games. I mean, you couldn't ask for uh, a better situation. But uh, Dave Randorf, congratulations to him. And, um, you know, he's been in the business a long time, but uh, you got to pinch yourself sometimes when you get put in these situations because there aren't many of these jobs out there. No, this was a premier job. There's no doubt about it. Big shoes to fill, big microphone to fill, and replacing Rick Peckham, who was the voice here for 26 years, a Hall of Famer, uh, well-deserved. Um, and it's not going to be easy to, to fill, but, you know, he, he's done a lot of great work. Uh, you know, he, he did regional games for the Montreal Canadiens uh, for TSN for a number of years before he moved over to Sportsnet, and he was doing some Hockey Night in Canada games uh, for them for the last couple of years. I, I think the last six years uh, he's been with them. Uh, quietly, his contract was not renewed uh, back in August because Chris Cuthbert made the jump from TSN over to Sportsnet, and they utilized him. Uh, great opportunity for Dave. A happy for him. Looking forward to uh, getting to meet him. Uh, I know I saw his tweets come out uh, today about how excited he is to be here. And and Greg, wh- where can fans hear him? Where can they? Where can they? That's uh, the I don't know if you're being sarcastic here, but I know you've taken a lot of questions when it comes to where uh, people can find the lighting on television um, this year. I know there's been some talk with uh, amongst fans about cable providers and all that fun stuff. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I've told you before, before we came on the airwaves, I'm not sure how all these games aren't available to everybody in the Florida market, but somehow, especially coming off the Stanley cup, there are some people out there who won't have the opportunity necessarily to see them. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm with a lot of fans right there. I, I've had Frontier back when they were Verizon. As soon as Verizon came in uh, back around 2008, I, I jumped on what they were able to offer because I wanted their internet. Their internet is great. Uh, but they don't carry the games. They're not going to carry the games. And um, not to get too detailed into it, but if you've been on Facebook, you've, you've seen some of the ads that are floating around uh, from Sinclair, which is the parent company of these Fox Sports regionals, that uh, they're telling you if you want your home teams back, and we do, because they not only carry the lighting, they, they do carry the magic and they carry the rays as well. Um, you you want to see those games, especially the year that we've had, uh, especially as a Tampa Bay sports fan, you want to watch your teams. And for for them to basically, there's, there's two major cable providers in this market. One's Frontier, the other Spectrum, and you've cut that in half. And as many people have cut the cord, you can't find them on Hulu Plus. You can't find them on YouTube TV. The only place you can find them is AT&T or Spectrum. So I had to, I guess, bite the bullet in some ways. And I made the switch. Uh, Spectrum's coming out next week to change me over because I have to have the games from a professional standpoint. I have to have them. But I'd I'd want it anyway. I would not want to miss the live games, especially with the hockey games. Uh, starting up next week. Uh, so I had to make the switch. Um, we'll see how it goes. I've, I've heard some uh, tough um, reviews of their internet service. Uh, that has me a little nervous, especially with a couple of teenagers in the house that like to kill the bandwidth uh, around here. Um, but I made the switch. I had to do it. I had to get it done because we need the games. Uh, and if anybody's not familiar with the spat, I guess we'll call it, that Sinclair is having with all these providers, there's talk that they're trying to basically turn these regionals into a direct consumer situation, basically through an app. Um, that's why they're taking themselves off of all these providers. They're trying to shrink the marketplace where you can find them to create their own marketplace. Uh, they're actually going to rebrand these. They're going to be called Bally's. They're getting, um, you know, a situation with, with Bally's, the, uh, the sports betting uh, company. Uh, so that's what's going on with that. So, yeah, uh, there are a lot of people who are mad at the providers. Uh, I've certainly sent uh, directed some of my ire towards Frontier uh, on social media a couple of times this year as they've taken the stuff away and not changed the price of my bill. Um, while they deserve some of that, 
I think a lot of this ire has to go to the parent company, and that's Sinclair, because they're the ones that are hurting the consumer in this situation, and it's not fair to the consumer. Right. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, obviously you can, you can listen to games on Lightning Power if you want, and certainly we appreciate that. But I know a lot of people, as you know, E, sometimes they like to watch the game and they'll listen to Dave and Phil call the game. And, you know, if, if you don't have an opportunity to do that, that's frustrating. And again, I go back to you're coming off yeah. a cup run. I think that's what has everybody so infuriated. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. I just hope everybody is able to uh, uh, watch or listen to their favorite team this year in Florida. And I'm not talking about the Panthers. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were plenty of jokes to be made when the Panthers announced that they were letting limited fans in the stands. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, could you? It's too easy. Could, I mean, yeah, it is too easy. I mean, I almost. <laughs> I think we touched on it last week. I, I, I almost don't want to say anything, but you have to. You have to take take the barb, don't you? It, it's the pinata hanging over your head, and you got the stick in your hand. How do you not? It's just. Uh, the, but the good news for them is, is that they're one of uh, just a handful of teams that are actually allowed to start the season with fans. Lighting, of course, are one of the other ones. So from that aspect, it's a positive that at least they can have some people in the building. Um, you know, I heard you and Dave talking about this the other day. It's going to be interesting for these teams that do allow fans in the stands as Lightning do. And look, they're going to get to play their first four games with fans in their stands, limited, about 3,900 people is what's going to be allowed in. And then they're going to have to go and play games in markets where they don't allow fans. I I wonder how much of an adjustment that's going to have to be for players uh, to get used to having some fans, which they didn't have, obviously, throughout the entire bubble, some fans in some buildings and no fans in the others. I wonder how weird that's going to be for them or, or if they even notice. Yeah, no, I don't want to make it too much out of it, although I will say I think finally having people cheer you on or actually boo you is going to give them – it's going to give them some sort of emotion in the game maybe they didn't have last year during uh, the bubble and, and during their playoff run. I think it's a welcome addition for sure. I think – They'll adjust either way fine to the circumstances. But I think for them, especially in a, in a rolling 56-game schedule, I think it'll be nice they come to Amelie Arena and they see 4,000 people cheering them on. I could give them a little bit extra boost moving forward. And as I said on the show the other day, I mean, sports, it's meant to have fans in the stands. It's entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, not, it's not normal to play in an empty arena. Um, you know, you can do that by uh, – you know, going to your local Y and, and playing pickup basketball or whatever. But I think these guys, you know, they're paid a nice dollar. And a lot of that is because people want to see their talents on display and they want to perform for them. So it, it's meant to have sports, you know, fans in the stands. And I'm glad that at least some cities, some teams are allowing that to happen for us here in Tampa Bay. Um, I think a lot of fans are going to be excited and they should be able to give Tampa Bay a little bit uh, more of a, a boost during these games when, you know, maybe they don't have their legs in the third period and they're looking to come back and tie a game. Here's a question for you. If there's only 3,900 people in the fans, we assume that all, maybe most, will be lighting fans. Are there enough of them to get the word shoot loud enough while the team's on the power play for the players to hear it? I actually thought you were going to say, or they can start the shoot. <laughs> Which I would say, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> uh, all right, before we close it out, I, I do have one more question for you. We, you. You talked about at the beginning of the show about the cutouts and cartoon characters. If you could choose one cartoon character to have a cartoon, to have a cutout in the stands, who would it be? Cartoon character? That you could cut out and have in the stands and cheer you on, metaphorically, of course. My oldest daughter is four, and my youngest is 15 months. So there's a lot of cartoons going on right now. So this should be pretty easy. The problem is what we're watching right now on TV, do you ever hear of Blippi? Uh, I'm going to say fortunately, no, I have not. All right, well, when you get a chance and then you do a research on him, and when your jaw hits the ground in terms <laughs> of how much money he makes, you're going to be like, this guy's genius. So – I would say from a cartoon perspective, I'll do this. I'm going to go to my childhood. Yes. Um, what is it? The uh, Animaniacs? Oh, 
you are uh, you have just risen way up in my <laughs> list, Greg Lanelli. <laughs> like way up. Did I? Did I? I mean, look, I was already a ten in your eyes. Did I go? <laughs> You're already bald and beautiful. Now I have to. Bellissimo is the Italian word, right? Bellissimo. Oh, and now brilliant. Wow! <laughs> I just keep mine. <laughs> Right, uh, so, uh, so Yakko, Wacko, or Dot? They're uh, all three. Yeah, I, I would say all three. I, 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 I kind of like all of them. Okay. I love the Animaniacs. I have video cassettes. If anybody is still familiar with what video cassettes are, I have what some. Did you say? <laughs> yeah, video cassettes are around somewhere in my household of the Animaniacs. Um, yeah. Which now begs the question have you watched the reboot on Hulu? No, I have not. Okay. I, I will be completely honest with you. I have not. I think I've watched one or two. Of course, you're busy. You got young kids. I have all kinds of times on my hand to watch whatever the hell I want on TV. <laughs> <laughs> this was tremendous. Uh, I love that show. Awesome. It's a great show. Pinky and the Brain too. Yeah. And, the brain. and they're back. Pinky and the Brain's back. Um, yeah, they. That was true. I mean, that is really going old school. Yep. But you know, if you're old well, like us, you know, you appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to go even older than that though, because I Marvin the Martian would be who I put out there. I love, I love Marvin the Martian. That'd be, right. my, that'd be my cardboard cutout to metaphorically cheer for me in the stands. You think if you had Pee Wee Herman, it would scare people? Yes. I would agree with that. Especially for the reason why you don't hear about Pee Wee Herman too much anymore. <laughs> Let's just say he wasn't using anything from Manscaped. <laughs> oh, mercy. We may have to the show there. But that was, <laughs> if we get it on a Pee Wee reference, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, we better, we better end this show before it goes down a path we might not be able to pull ourselves out of. So, um, Greg, as always, fun, man. So much fun to, to talk hockey with you again. If, uh, by the time we talk again, um, maybe there'll be a game to play. Maybe we talk about the season opener. Uh, don't forget the scrimmage is coming up uh, on Sunday. That's 7 p.m. It will be streamed uh, both on Lightning Power Play. I believe on the website also, Dave Mishkin, Brian Engblom will have the call of that scrimmage that will take place at Amelie Arena on Sunday at 7 p.m., uh, and I was trying to set you up. You do have Dave Ranford as a guest on Lightning Power Play. Am I correct? Yeah, he'll be joining me uh, on Friday. So whenever this podcast airs, depending on when it does, I may have interviewed him. I may not have interviewed him. But regardless, Friday at noon, we're going to have uh, Dave on. It'll be a lot of fun. And, of course, people can catch the replay of that uh, on Lightning Power Play as well. Uh, yeah, we'll be back with another episode. Uh, maybe after Sunday scrimmage, uh, we'll have to work out our schedules. But uh, be on the lookout for a new episode. Um, don't forget the 20% off promo code at manscaped.com. Use the promo code BOLTS for 20% off any order. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Don't forget to rate this podcast. Don't forget to get your questions in for this podcast. And guess what? We'll talk to you on our next podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.